0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of the podcast. My name is Richard Bryant, and I am your host. It's May 9th, 2020. This is the Corona Chronicles, Day 58. Here are today's news and notes. We start today with a message from Her Royal Highness, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth. This article comes from Variety and was presented by Manori Ravindran, in which Queen Elizabeth addresses the UK in a rousing V.E. Day speech. Queen Elizabeth addressed the UK on Friday night to mark the 75th anniversary of Victory in Europe Day. Her second major televised speech in just over a month. In a pre-recorded message from Windsor Castle that aired at 9 p.m. on BBC One, the Queen said, She spoke at the same hour as her father, George VI, did on May 8, 1945, when the Second World War ended in Europe. Her speech held special significance coming at a time when the country continues its battle against the coronavirus. His message, then, was a salute to men and women at home and abroad who sacrificed so much, said the Queen. The war had been a total war. It had affected everyone. All had a part to play. At the start, the outlook seemed bleak the end distant, the outcome uncertain, but we kept faith that the cause was right. The queen continued, never give up, never despair. That was the message of the E-Day. Referencing the country's current lockdown and the immense death toll from coronavirus, she said, today it may seem hard. We can't mark this special anniversary as we would wish. Instead, we remember from our homes and doorsteps, but our streets are not empty. They are filled with the love and the care that we have for each other. When I look at our country today and what we're willing to do to protect and support one another, I say with pride that we are all still a nation those brave soldiers, sailors, and airmen would recognize and admire. The Queen's address followed a BBC primetime special on VE Day and comes at a vulnerable time for the UK, which has the second highest death toll from coronavirus in Europe. Her speech in April only the fifth of its kind during her entire reign, was seen by 24 million viewers and ended with the words, We Will Meet Again, a reference to Dame Vera Lynn's bolstering war anthem, We'll Meet Again. At the end of Friday's address, Lynn's anthem was again played with the country invited to sing along at home. Page 2. From stage directions, the Guthrie Theatre pushes opening to March 2021 and a truncated three-show season. As reported by the Minneapolis Newspaper Star Tribune, the Guthrie Theatre has moved its reopening until March 2021, created a budget that has been reduced by 60% for its upcoming season, and trimmed two-thirds of its plays down to three productions for 2021. It will be the first time in 46 years that the Guthrie will not produce its annual Christmas Carol. The theater board met Friday evening to approve a $12.6 million budget, replacing the $31 million approved in March. Instead of the nine shows that were to begin in September, now planned is a three-show season that will run from March to August, with all plays on the Guthrie's 1,100-seat Wertel Thrust stage. In a letter to staff, artistic director Joseph Haj mentioned furloughs and permanent job cuts to be announced next week, and said the three-show season could be increased if it becomes safe for audiences and artists to gather sooner. The new plan is to produce Lynn Nottage's Sweat, which had been scheduled to conclude the 2019-2020 season this summer, as well as the comedy Private Lives, originally scheduled for this September. The third play has not yet been announced. In his letter, Haj noted that the Guthrie opened in 1963 with a four-show season, and from those four shows, we grow. We will grow again, and we will thrive again. You can read the entire story in the Minneapolis Star Tribune. The Guthrie Theater, which opened on May 7, 1963, posted a heartfelt video message from artistic director Haj on the resilience and need for theater. In the video, Hajj speaks eloquently about the future of theater and why nothing can replace the centuries-old tradition of gathering together. From our friends at the Theater Times, Polish Shakespeare Online, Maja Klajewska's Macbeth. This is posted by Konrad Zelinski. I.P. Hartley's much-recycled observation that the past is a foreign country seems an oddly befitting introduction to Opoli-based Koshinovsky's Theatre's 2004 production of Shakespeare's Macbeth. In numerous regions, theatre is in a state of limbo, with live performances being an eerie memory of a different world. This world can now be glimpsed through recordings and archives resurging online. Shakespeare's Globe provides one such window offering amongst their features a collection of international performances showcased during the 2012 Globe to Globe Festival. The digital explosion of content related to the Bard is becoming a phenomenon that is sure to generate further discussions. Being a first-generation migrant living in the UK, I take it as an opportunity to reconnect with stages that ignited my thespian interests, also to review my perspective on Shakespeare. For the past decade, it has been shaped predominantly by glossy offerings of London and Stratford-upon-Avon, It's a risky approach, this particular Macbeth. Director Maja Klojewska declared at the time that she takes scripts as raw materials and points of departure for explorations of specific themes. She's not interested in the scholarly approaches and production of museum piece theater. As a result, her work is often met with polarized responses among the critical circles in Poland and confronted with accusations of textual barbarism as well as disloyalty to her source material. The period between 2004 and 2011 in Poland saw at least 20 other productions of Shakespeare's Scottish play, among them by Gregors Jarzyna and Andrzej Wadja, already internationally renowned auteurs. Both these productions, focusing on the theatre of war, tied the drama with the conflict in Iraq, and still appeared topical in 2012, while bolstering some of the grandest names among Polish thespians. Jarzyna's production also featured the same summer in Edinburgh. Yet yeah, it's Klajuska's understated production, which focused on the domestic dimension of the tragedy that came to London as part of the Globe's celebration of the World Shakespeare Festival. If you'd like to read this wonderful, extended article on the Polish Shakespeare online, please visit thetheatertimes.com. Again, the article is titled Polish Shakespeare Online, Maja Klazuska's Macbeth, posted by Konrad Zielinski. From the news source Reuters, musicals out, one man plays in, Broadway gets creative waiting for the show to go on. This article was presented by Joe Sargent and Alicia Powell. Television can fake it, movie audiences can wear masks, but live theater performance like Romeo and Juliet needs real actors kissing and fighting rivals in front of real people. Theater, especially large-scale musicals, and romantic dramas on Broadway and in London's West End faces unique challenges in coming back during the coronavirus outbreak, even as shutdowns and restrictions are beginning to ease around the world. Expensive, risky, and involving scores of people backstage and in audience areas, live theater may be the last to bring up the curtain again. Producers and actors say, and even then, it will not be the same for some time. We're living real-life stories in real time, in cramped quarters, sometimes on small stages, Sometimes with lots of people and figuring out how to do that work in the age of COVID-19 is really the challenge that we are up against, said Mary McCall, executive director of the Actors Union Equity in the United States. When we cry, there are tears. Sometimes our noses run. Sometimes when we sing or are yelling, we spit and it lands on other actors, or it might land on the orchestra pit. And we are doing that eight times a week, she said. Broadway theaters went dark in mid-March, and London's West End followed a few days later. Almost no one expects them to reopen when the current closure period ends on June 7th and June 28th, respectively. We are very tied to social distancing measures, as long as they are still in place. A mainstream return to theater and musical theater in particular looks pretty impossible, said Jessica Coravos, president of Andrew Lloyd Webber's Really Useful Group. A Reuters Ipsos poll in April found that only 27% of those questioned would go to a theater performance when venues reopen while 51% said live theater should not resume at all before a vaccine is available. However, the theater world is eager to get going before then, and the to-do list goes beyond hand sanitizers and theater foyers, seeing audiences apart, and disposable programs. Creative people and creative solutions. The U.S. branch of Equity has hired an epidemiologist to come up with protocols for actors, stagehands, and costumes and makeup departments. Elsewhere, people are brainstorming about what kind of plays would work best or taking theater out of traditional spaces, including outdoors or into restaurants. I don't think theater will go away. I just think it will be different when it comes back, said Brian Moreland, producer of upcoming Broadway shows American Buffalo and Blue. For a small amount of time, it will be smaller casts. Those are going to be smaller budgeted shows. The returns can be lower. The ticket prices can probably be lower, Moreland said. Theaters may be dark, but online rehearsals are going ahead. Dancers are keeping up routines, and actors are writing lines on shared video platforms so that they can be ready when protocols are in place for a return. Broadway producer and investor Brisa Trinchero is among the optimists. She said playwrights are way-writing new pieces that would cater to social distancing, and some companies are looking to resume with one-person productions that would minimize both costs and risks to other performers. We are an industry of creative people, Trinchero said. I think there will be an exciting resurgence of small performance pieces, cabaret, more intimate things that make sense financially but also allow for performers initially to be a little bit more remote and don't require thousands of people in the audience to make the math work, she said. Musicals, which have large casts, musicians, and backstage crews are the most expensive to mount, are likely to be the last to come back. The really useful group producers of shows like Cats and the planned new London musical Cinderella had to shutter 28 musicals around the world before the pandemic. The sole production of Phantom of the Opera is back up, but only due to extensive coronavirus testing and contact tracing by South Korean authorities, Corvos said. Shows with one or two actors or limiting theaters to 50% capacity might work for some. But for big musicals, it wouldn't be possible commercially to survive on those audience levels, said Corvos. Despite the tough outlook, the theater community is more helpful than a month ago and convinced that the shutdowns have proved the value of human connection and live entertainment that theater offers. People are now talking about what it looks like on the other side, and three to four weeks ago, we weren't prepared to have this conversation, Moreland said, so that makes me very hopeful. Page 3. From our friends at What's On Stage, This weekend, you can watch Andrew Lloyd Webber's Broadway musical By Jeeves right here for free all weekend. The show ran on Broadway at the start of the 21st century. You can watch the Broadway production of Andrew Lloyd Webber and Alan Ackborn's By Jeeves right here on What's On Stage for free. The show, a completely rewritten version of the original West End production, is being streamed for 48 hours while lockdowns continue. Starring Martin Jarvis and John Schurer. The piece is based on P.G. Woodhouse's classic characters. The show is the next in a a series of Lloyd Webber's works that are being streamed for free online while a lockdown of UK household continues, which has seen theaters closed up and down the country. The show is available from 7 p.m. British Standard Time on on 8th of May until 7 p.m. British Standard Time on the 10th of May. Coming around to our friends at Playbill.com, upcoming cast recordings that are going to become available. These are the show tones you need from the shows you love. Here are some of the upcoming cast recordings. Being digitally released on May 15th, Rags the Musical, written by Charles Struess and lyrics by Stephen Schwartz. Also coming up, a concept album for Frankie the Musical. The digital release, May 29th twenty twenty. The Writer of the Music and Lyrics by Elise Mara. Coming out in July, it happened in Key West. The writers for the Music and Lyrics by Jill Santoriello and additional lyrics by Jason Husa. And finally, another release coming in at in August on August seven, a CD release on August seventh and the digital release on april twenty first, Sing Street. From Broadway. Music and lyrics by Gary Clark and John Carney. Of course, there are many other release dates to be announced, so please check out Playbill.com for the extensive list of upcoming and potential cast recordings ready to be heard by you. Again, that's upcoming cast recordings from Playbill.com. Also from Playbill, here is some of the tidbits of history that happened in theater on May 9th. In 1860, the birthday of James M. Barry, British author and playwright, whose creations include What Every Woman Knows, The Little Minister, The Admirable Crichton, and the work that makes him immortal, Peter Pan. In 1940, Laurence Olivier produces, designs, directs, and stars in Romeo and Juliet on Broadway at the 51st Street Theater. Playing Juliet to Olivier's Romeo is his fiancée, Vivian Lee. In 1978, Ain't Misbehavin', a review based on the music of Fats Waller, opens at the Longacre Theatre on Broadway. Nell Carter, Ken Page, Charlene Woodard, and Andre Deshields are in the cast. It wins the Tony Award for Best Musical and runs 1,604 performances. In 1994, Stephen Sondheim and James Lapine's musical about obsessive love, Passion, opens on Broadway at the Plymouth Theater. Based on the 1981 film Passion de More, it stars M- Marin Mazzi, Jora Shea, and Donna Murphy under Lapine's direction. It runs 280 performances and wins the Tony Award for Best Musical. In 2010, Lena Horne, the elegant and statuous singer, who broke down color barriers by becoming one of Hollywood's first African-American female stars, and who later made a triumphant return to Broadway, died at the age of 92. Her Broadway appearances included Dance With Your Gods, Lou Leslie's Blackbirds of 1939, Jamaica, and the Tony Award-winning solo show Lena Horne, The Lady and Her Music. Here are some of the birthdays that took place today on May 9th. Leonard Silman was born on 1908, Faye Kinnon in 1917, Alan Bennett in 1934, Albert Finney was born on this day in 1936, Glenda Jackson in 1936 as well, Candace Bergen in 1946, and Christopher Shin in 1975. Of course, many events happened on this day, and these were only a few. So if you'd like to learn more about what happened today in theater, please check out Playbill.com, and look for the article, Playbill of Vaults Today in Theater History for May 9th. Switching gears a little bit, Oistet's Lighting Design Working Group will be presenting this month in its series, Designers on Design. They happen each day at 8.30 a.m. Chicago Standard Time, or if you're on the East Coast, 9.30 a.m. They are hosted by by the OISTAT Lighting Design Working Group. Here's a little bit of details on on the program. Designers on Design is a weekly webinar planned to bring designers and design educators on one platform to share work, ideas, teaching, and thoughts. You are welcome to come aboard to share your ideas, work, and sessions. The first session from this month was a walkthrough for Vectorworks. Today's program was with a lighting designer from India from New Delhi India which was a wonderful experience to get an opportunity to listen to him talk about his work. That designer was Sutri Chakraborty which was fantastic. I highly recommend checking it out on the replay of the OISTAT Lighting Design Working Group so that you can see it as well. If you'd like to know more about the OISTET Lighting Design Working Group, you can obviously find out more information on Facebook. Here is their mission. The Lighting Design Subcommittee, formerly the LD Working Group, is a non-profit internal platform for lighting designers from all over the world, connecting individuals as well as existing national, regional organizations of lighting designers, researchers, and technicians. Our mission is to grow understanding, respect, and a sense of quality in the work and spread of lighting design in the world of live theater and performing arts. And finally, our final bit of news comes from USITT. This, to close out the week, they have another group submission to wrap up in their series of posts from designers whose productions were canceled or postponed. This one comes from the Cornish College of the Arts for their production of Chicago. The Cornish Chicago creative team was Director Carl Roscoe Choreographer Crystal Munkers and Tinka Daly Musical Direction by Mark Robb and Claire Marks Scenic Design by Jordan Cooper Assistant Scenic Design by Rebecca Strom Properties Robin Lagerstedt Technical Direction by Sergio Vivas and Andrew Long Costume design by Kai Tamashiro. Assistant costume designer, Daniela Hernandez. Lighting design was presented by Kevin Portillo. Assistant lighting designer, Robert Matos. Sound design by Amber Granger. And the stage manager was Corin Kerrigan. With assistant stage managers, Quinn Chase and DJ Briggs. The Cornish College of the Arts production of Chicago strayed from what one would typically expect this musical to be. Although still set in the 1920s, the creative team decided to take Velma and Roxy's vaudeville show on tour to a women's prison. In this prison, they retell their stories of injustice to women like them in order to band together all of womankind. Because when women band together, they are unstoppable. Of course, you can check out all the images of this show by visiting USITT's Facebook page or any of their other social media platforms. Before I conclude today's podcast, I want to once again extend my gratitude to the members of our armed services, our healthcare workers, our nurses and doctors, to our first responders, our police, fire, and emergency service officers around the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please join me in continuing to support these women and men as they face this near impossible task of saving lives in the face of such great adversity. Please support your local food bank and shelters If possible, donate blood at one of your local Red Crosses. Be sure to check in on the elderly and support those who have special needs. Reach out to a friend and help not only make their day, but also improve your own. While normally I choose a quote that seems fitting for the day, today, instead of choosing something completely different, I'm going to once again revisit our original first story from today's podcast and and read the words, from Her Royal Highness, Her Majesty, the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth. In which she said, today it may seem hard. We can't mark this special anniversary as we would wish. Instead, we remember from our homes and doorsteps, but our streets are not empty. They are filled with the love and the care that we have for each other. My name is Richard Bryant and I have been your host. It's May 9th, 2020. This has been the Corona Chronicles, Day 58. Take care, be well, and have a good night. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions on how to make this podcast better, please send them to archive tt24 at yahoo.com. Again, that's archive tt24 at yahoo.com.